We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, welcome everybody to episode 591, Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always. For locking in, whether it's the video side. And if you're watching this on video, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Buffalo YouTube channel. Hit subscribe, smash that like button. It really helps us continue to grow the show. Of course, on the audio side, Apple, Spotify, we're all over the place on those platforms. Make sure you follow us there as well. Today is, well, this is dropping anyway on Wednesday, June 28th. That means, as always, on Wednesdays for this summer, I am joined by. My good buddy, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings debut. Well, I don't want to say debut because you've been on the show plenty of times before that, but the summer debut anyway, last week, it was a lot of fun. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey man, good to be back. I'm glad I, uh, I passed the test for week one and, uh, until week two. So <laughs> I didn't hear any complaints, no messages from Aaron Quinn. So we're all, we're all good, man. Um, he's too busy golfing anyway. He wasn't he even really is. Stuff. He's taking that very serious this summer. Good for him, though, man. You know totally what I'm saying? You know, you stay, you know, you, you work, you you take care of the kids at home. You, you got to have a hobby. And his is clearly golf, probably an expensive one. It's just not cheap to uh to play. But uh good for my man Aaron Quinn over at cover one. We're gonna talk today. So primarily anyway, I do want to get your thoughts on, on the Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott extension. I talked about that with PK from Buffalo Sports Collective on the show yesterday. Kind of want to get your thoughts on that in a few minutes. And then we'll kind of turn to Kate a little bit because there's just been, Anthony, there's been a, a lot of negativity going on recently with the Bills. Not necessarily all their fault. Some of it's just overreaction from fans. Some of it's legit. But anyway, training camp's coming up soon. And I think that there's a lot of fun things to look forward to with camp. So kind of pick your brain a little bit. Some of the things that you're looking forward to. Uh, the most. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. I, I do have to say, before we get going, um, I'd be remiss. Today's, we're taping this again, and I say this every week when I have Aaron on too. We're taping this Tuesday morning. So potentially something could happen later on Tuesday that we don't cover on the show that drops on Wednesday. So this is like my weekly reminder that you know why. But anyway, I'd be remiss if I didn't wish my uh, my beautiful wife a happy birthday. Today is her birthday. 
I'm not going to say her age. She'll get pissed at me if I do <laughs> <laughs> on the show. But uh, my wife, let's just put it this way. My, my wife of nearly 22 years now. So celebrating Happy a birthday. birthday. Yeah. You know this, dude. It's We don't get rich doing this podcasting stuff. We, you know, Most of us, we don't even make an actual living. It's kind of a side thing we do. So mainly for a hobby, you know, make a couple bucks here and there. But. We mainly do it because it's fun. And for something like that to work, the family's important. You know, having supported the family, allowing you to put aside, carve aside time, you know, in my case, a lot of many hours during the week to uh to do this. It's uh we wouldn't be able to do this stuff that we do without support from our family. So, you know, I'm just saying that stuff's not lost on me at all. And sometimes it, you know, it's it's easy to forget stuff like that, you know. No, absolutely. I mean, listen, you think of the amount of time that we all spend with this, right? And for our significant others to uh, to be supportive to this this hobby that we all have, it, it says a lot, right? And you talk about almost 22 years of marriage. I mean, that's that's a long time of putting up with you, Pat. So not so always not always great, man. Not going to sit there and act like it's all been smooth, but uh, still there, still going. And uh, yeah, like I said, there, there wouldn't be a podcast if she didn't support it so that stuff matters like i said you know you put a lot of time and, and effort into these things so um families matter and being able to do it you know we wouldn't be able to do it uh without them i feel like you know you you have a podcast sometimes we don't even talk about that i just always say anthony marino from buffalo rumblings we don't even talk about your actual bbr podcast but you know the time that goes into it and you also I have a hand just in the Buffalo rumblings um, in the brand as a whole as well. I, I feel like some people out there just don't get how much time and effort can, can put into to putting these together. You know what I'm saying? It's, um, it, it's very, it's fun to do. And I'm not sitting here and complaining because for the most part, anyway, it's, it's fun to do, but, and it's rewarding in, in lots of ways, not even so much financially, it's just other ways as well. But you you know this as well as anybody. A lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot, lot of sacrifice, a lot of things that you got to give up to be able to, to put your time into this. You know what I'm saying? No, and I think it's been a transition for a lot of folks as well, because you think, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was home. So the ability to say like, hey, do you want to jump on and, and do a show with someone else? I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone was in their house. So it was kind of easy from a scheduling standpoint. Then all of a sudden, as things get back to normal, uh, you know, finding that time sometimes to connect just to be able to do something like this or to collaborate with someone else or just to sit down and be able to do a show in the way that you wanted to. I think you start to see some of that evolution and maybe even some of those shows that started during the pandemic aren't aren't going to be able to to move on i guess in some ways because you just realize like hey life is busy for everybody that does this just uh again kind of as a hobby it's it's tough it is and i'll tell you though i i i appreciate all the guests that come on this show because again you're giving up 30 40 60 minutes of your time when you whenever you you i'm, I'm just talking about anybody whenever you, sure. you do a guest spot on a show you're giving up your own time and more specifically you know, I, I appreciate Aaron Quinn and I and I appreciate you because this particular show, um, like Aaron, you know, he would drop the kids off at school. We would take from 930 to 1030. We'd have to be done a hard out at 1030 because he'd have to go get his kids from school. But the point is, every week he carve an hour 
out for me to do this. And now you're doing the same. And we're starting at nine o'clock because, you know, you want to be able to make this fit before you even, you know, get your day going with all your other stuff. So it, it is a sacrifice getting up at nine o'clock in the morning to, to do the podcast, man. Is again, like I said, about my wife's not lost on me. So, um, I appreciate you guys very much. Are you a, you know, I, I never, I don't think I ever asked you this before. You're a hockey guy at all. Yeah, no, I'm a fringe hockey guy. Now I yeah. will say this, right. As far as following the Sabres and everything that the team does, um, you know, in a, a weird way, right? It's like you're, you're following the team on Twitter and what they do, catch a game here and there. Um, mm -hmm. It's certainly the the fan base is a lot more exciting to be around now than it used to be. I mean, there used to sure. be some nights like, oh, let me go online, see what's happening. Twitter, you know, Sabres are playing. Twitter is just like, oh my gosh, everybody was so just down in the dumps because the team was doing so bad. But, you know, now as you start to follow the team and you just say, okay, you know, Devin Levy, and you talk about Rasmus Dahlin and Tage Thompson, it's like, okay, these guys are starting to become, when I say more household names, right? But just this sense of optimism that, oh, it's it's fun to follow the team and, and read about the team. So uh, I'm getting there, but it's it's been a while. That's cool though, man. And, and, and this team is, you're picking a good time to kind of get back into following them a little bit. Um, big week for the Sabres. Uh, the NHL draft is, is Wednesday and Thursday. Free agency starts on Saturday. There's lots of buzz that a, a trade for a significant defenseman could be on the way. Last night, by last night, I mean Monday night, the NHL awards happened. Tage Thompson finished 14th in the league in MVP. Um, Rasmus Dahlin finished, I, I, think, I think he finished sixth in, in the voting for the Norris Trophy, which goes to the best defenseman in the NHL. Owen Power finished third in Rookie of the Year voting. So there's lots to be excited about uh, with this team. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, everyone out there watching this one or, or listening, go check it out. I had PK from Buffalo Sports Collective, and we spent a good chunk of time talking Buffalo Sabres. So make sure you check that out. Also, Thursday night live this week, scheduled. Sal Capaccio is going to be with me as well as Matt Bovey. So I'm going to have both of them on, and that'll be a, a lot of fun to do from uh, Imperial Pizza. What besides football, like what are your things that you're into besides football? Or are you pretty much when it comes to sports, you know, almost exclusively a football guy? I mean, I guess you could say not exclusively a football guy. I mean, college basketball has always been something for yeah. me, right? So growing up in Rochester, you know, Syracuse basketball was the the pinnacle of of life, right? Here in the capital region, Siena College basketball, University of Albany, two division one teams. Um, that it's a great experience to go out and be a part of that. So really those three teams, but I will say this too. I mean, you know, my kids are 16, 15 and 12 and for years. So, you know, I've always coached their teams, whether it be in, in little league or basketball or travel mm -hmm. or AAU. So, you know, those become <laughs> yeah. those secondary teams. Right. And I'm sure it was, you know, with you, with your family as well. I mean, I remember you telling stories on the show. Um, you get so engulfed in that and kind of the the high school game in the area and how the kids' high school teams are doing, whether it be, you know, again, volleyball or field hockey or the track and field, like you you get so invested in that. But secondary for me always will be uh, college basketball, just such a, a love of mine. I don't watch college basketball much anymore. I talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, actually. Don't really watch college basketball anymore. When a tournament comes around, 
I'll watch just because everybody does. You know, you fill out your brackets and you got some fun to root for. But as a kid, I, I grew up biggest, I don't even want to say one team, Big East fan. When, when I grew up, I was a teenager in the 80s. And, yeah. you know, just Big East basketball in the 80s was so, so big, man. Syracuse, Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, Boston College. It was just college basketball is awesome back in the day. I don't know why I necessarily stopped following it as much. Maybe it's because so many players, they're one and done, you know, or at least they were. I don't know if it's still like that quite as much. I think I feel like it is. But back in those days, players played at least a couple of years in the same program, whereas now in college basketball, you come in, you're good enough, you play one year, and you're a lottery pick in the NBA, and that's it. You know, it's hard to really get into those teams when they're only there for a year. Well, I do think with a lot, and to your first point, when you talk about growing up as a fan in the Big East, right? And for any of us here in the Northeast, Big East basketball, you know, I mean, college football in this area was not a big deal, right? Sure, I mean, you've got Syracuse and Pitt, and you've got Penn State, and yeah. but it's nothing compared to these other conferences across the country. Biggie's basketball, though, was this crown jewel of college basketball. When you would think about the teams throughout the, the 80s and early 90s and top programs, I mean, when you've got three Big East teams in the Final Four uh, and you lose some of those rivalries, mm -hmm. right? Syracuse going to the ACC and when Boston College left, I mean, sure, what is the Big East today? You still have Georgetown and Providence and Seton Hall and St. John's and you know, where they're playing against each other, which can be very positive, but in many ways, in UConn as well, right? But you're missing some of that traditional Big East basketball that we grew up on. And I think when that broke up, uh, you you lost a little bit of, of that. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, I still follow it when uh, when the tournament rolls around. One last thing, too, and then we'll dive into some some bills. Actually, two things. Last week, we, we uh, during our show, this didn't make air. Thank God you told me about it because I would not have realized it. But um, we spent a couple of minutes last week talking about uh, Marcel Louis Jacques, former Buffalo Bills ESPN.com reporter. Now he's with Miami. He made his debut on Around the Horn ESPN last week. So both of us gave him some flowers and spoke glowingly of him. However, I didn't realize it, but my mic was messed up. StreamYard, where we taped this from, was, was playing games on us. And that whole segment basically was missed. I didn't catch it last week. Thank God Anthony did. He told me after the show, so I was able to go back and, and cut it out so we didn't have like four minutes of, of dead airspace. If that happens again, yell at me during the show. So I know that is that is coming. Hopefully it won't, though. But anyway, like, again, we don't really need to talk about it again. But 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 uh, it was really cool to see Marcel on ESPN like that and, and just see his career progress. A really good dude, and, and he's worked hard, and he's really deserved you know, all the good things that are starting to go his way. Well, we knew once he started covering the Bills and made the move to Buffalo, as he got started, you could just tell this is someone whose yeah. arrow is pointing straight up, right? Yeah, so it was sure. going to be a, a limited amount of time. Uh, extremely happy for him. It comes as no surprise. Right. But it's honestly, as you you think of that, um, I always thought he was very good to all of us in, in this space and engaging and answering questions and and really being a part of the conversation. 
and it says a lot about him and it's just great to see him continue to do some great stuff yeah he was uh he was on this show multiple times i did two live shows with him one at macy's place pizzeria one at imperial pizza too so yeah re really good dude you could just tell though he, he was destined to go nothing against buffalo buffalo's awesome but he was destined to go to a bigger market that's what he was looking for plus the weather so so good for him and it's just great to see the trajectory uh that he's on the other thing too and I, we talked for like maybe two minutes before we started taping this. Occasionally on this show, uh, whether it was myself or Aaron or Joe Yurden, we we would do a, a a brief movie review. And I have not been in the movies much lately, and it's very rare where I watch a trailer on TV and it makes me actually want to go to the theater. I'm talking like maybe once or twice in, in a year, most. Um, but this trailer has been flown around with Jennifer Lawrence. It's been flown around for a while now. No hard feelings. This comedy um, that she is in. The trailer was so funny that it actually made me go to the movies and see it. And I know you haven't seen it yet, which most people haven't seen it yet because it literally just opened in theaters over the weekend. Um, I did go and see it. I'll say this and then kind of keep it brief here. You should just talk about a couple pros, a couple cons and what what I think of the movie overall. I'm going to admit this to you. I don't know how you feel about Jennifer Lawrence, but I'm a little bit biased because I absolutely am obsessed with Jennifer Lawrence. I think she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. I think she's one of the best actresses in the world today, without question, a, a former Oscar winner. And she's done a lot of serious stuff. And for her to do this type of comedy, it was something that I had to see. And, and I'll tell you, it's kind of a mixed bag and I'm not going to give any spoilers away because again, this literally just dropped. But people, if you're watching, you're listening, I, I'll say this. It, it was worth watching. It was funny. Physical comedy. This, this movie, it's a rom-com. It's kind of a raunchy rom-com. It, it's like almost like a throwback to their 2010s or their early, you know, like 2005, that era where like, American Pie and all these other types of physical comedies that were so funny, um, you know, dominated the theaters. This is along the same lines. And to her credit, she is really funny in this movie. I mean, there are some funny ass scenes in this. I, I don't want to give it away, but I'm just going to say she's funny. Also, uh, I got to throw this out there because and it's not a spoiler because it's like all over the, the Internet now. She has full frontal nudity in this movie and she wanted and put it this way when the movie was happening my first thought was wow this must be like csi you know someone's body yeah. it's her and, and it's an extended beach scene i was like god damn <laughs> anyway i was really shocked to see that but the, it is her so there's full frontal nudity if you're uh obsessed with with jennifer lawrence but beyond that dude it was just it was it was a really funny movie um, she was funny, but on the negative side, it was predictable. It was very predictable. Um, it, it was nothing unique, you know, hot girl, um, you know, got little boy or, or, or young man out of his league with the girl. But, you know, at some point she starts to really develop the true feelings. Like I said, it's, you know, it's a, a tried and true formula, nothing original about it. But like I said, based on the trailer, I wanted to see it. It's. I'll say this. I'd give it a B. It, it's worth seeing, but it's not in that same level as like the American Pie movies or or like Bridesmaid or or Wedding Crashers, those type of, of rom coms. But it is worth seeing. So 
Well, it's like a standard formula, right? And as you said, that's a, it's a bit of a throwback to those movies from the late 90s, early 2000s mm -hmm. that, you know, relatively low budget, able to pull it together. And, you know, you got out to the movie. So it sounds yeah. like a good day. Very unsatisfactory low ending too. I, I do got to say that the third act, the first hour, it's, it's like a 90 minute movie. The first hour was like, there were some literal laugh out loud moments, man. Like almost like belly laughs. They were really good. Third act though, ending kind of unsatisfactory, but as a whole, like I said, she alone is worth going to see. She was great. The movie itself is okay. You know, good enough, man. Um, I gotcha. Anyways, <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I talk about a movie or I see a movie and I just feel like spending a couple of minutes talking about it. That's, that's the benefit of having your own podcast. You get to do what, uh, whatever you want before, before we get to break, because on the other side, I do want to talk about some fun story, uh, training camp storylines that, that are looming going ahead for the Buffalo Bills. But there was actually some news since we taped last week on Friday. Some people will call it a news dump. Um, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott were both extended. I believe it's through the 2027 season. I don't know if it, oh, maybe it was a surprise given the timing, maybe. Ian Rappaport reported that these deals were actually done a while ago and they were um, announced on Friday. But anyway, just let me, let me get your general thoughts on the extension of both guys, whether it's good or bad in between. What do, what do you think? Yeah, my general thought is that it's great. I mean, honestly, I look at it. Uh, I love what Sean McDermott has done with the franchise. I mean, of course, like there's certain things that you wish would go better, but I'm a fan of Sean McDermott and I'm a huge fan of Brandon Bean. And I think mm -hmm. when you talk about these two and you look at the stability of the franchise, uh, for them to get this extension, I thought was fantastic. And I, I know some people have an issue with it. I'm not quite sure why. Um, and I say that from a, like, let's say they both light the franchise on fire this year in a bad way, right? And things just completely blow up out of control. You can fire them both. Sure. Like, it, it's not my money. It doesn't affect the salary cap. There's no implication, like if you want to give a, you know, a 10-year extension to to Von Miller right now and like, okay, well, that makes no sense. And what's that going to mean for the salary cap in the future? It's your head coach and your general manager. If things go that bad and you have to make a change, it's Terry Pagula's money. Right. It's not mine. It doesn't affect the salary cap. So for them to reward these two for doing a great job, I'm totally good with it. And I will say they've done a great job. We remember, we have followed the team long enough to when Brian Schottenheimer would not accept the invite to interview to be the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Right. Right. Mike Shanahan was like, yeah, I'll just have, you know, I'll have dinner with Ralph Wilson. Bill Cower, you know, respectfully declined. Just there was a laundry list of people that did not even want to touch the franchise with a 10-foot pole. So that's why when people are kind of upset about this today, I don't get it. I don't I don't even get it for a second. And even on your show with PK, he you know, he had said something and and PK does a great job. So I'm respectfully disagreeing when he talks sure. about a, a worry about complacency. And it's just like I do not look at either of these two and see any sign of complacency, right? In 2020, you go out and you trade for Stefan Diggs. In 2022, you sign Avon Miller. You're linked to all these other big name players and a Christian McCaffrey and now DeAndre Hopkins. 
you know, you, you just think about this piece. This is a franchise that is now in a place that one has become a destination. It's still Buffalo, New York, right? But with these two at the helm, players are interested in playing for the Buffalo Bills, but they've made these, these swings, right? You can't make every swing, but those are two huge ones over the last three years. So again, as, as I look at it, in addition to the other moves that they've made, I see these two as continuing to be aggressive. McDermott, I think, continues to be aggressive with his fourth down play calling and things that he does. And we know that Brandon Bean is going to work every single angle. Every time there's someone named as a trade candidate, it seems like Buffalo's name comes up. And he sure. says, we'll make a call on everybody, right? So to think back in the day before they were here and someone would be a free agent or a trade candidate, and you're just sitting there hoping that they mentioned Buffalo. Like even just to have Buffalo mentioned meant something. Now they're mentioned as a possible destination in every marquee player that that hits the trade market. I love. I, I think it's great. So I, I listen. If, if some folks don't like it, that that is completely on them. For for me, there's no implication. It doesn't affect the salary cap. It doesn't affect anything. So I love. I love one point that you did bring up that was not discussed yesterday and I don't hear much of it at all. And I think you're a hundred percent right. If things were to go South, Terry Bagula has shown on the bill side and especially on the Sabre side, he's not afraid to eat money. Like right. He has signed coaches on both teams. I mean, he ate money when Rex Ryan got fired. He's eating money with Phil Housley got fired on the hockey side and Ralph Kruger. This is a man. You say what you want about Terry Bagula, but he's not afraid to make a change. And he's not afraid to eat that money. It is. It doesn't go against the cap. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I also think that criticism when it comes to to this structure, this coaching staff, this front office, if you want to say they can't get over the hump and they can't win the big one, it's premature. You know, I, I, there's still time. And, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday when I said this. There's still time. OK, they're they're in a tough conference. They're They're playing a. You know, they're in the conference, same conference with an all-time quarterback, the guy who might go down as the greatest quarterback in the history of the league. Um, there, there's still time. There's been a lot of success under this regime. I agree with you that for so many years, we were conditioned to, to just, the only guys who came to Buffalo were guys that either we overpaid grossly or no one else wanted. That's right. pretty much what free agency was for the Buffalo Bills for a long time. Maybe because we got so used to that, that we went, you know, to PK's point about complacency, which I actually tend to agree with you more than I agree with him yesterday, because I, I, I don't think they're complacent whatsoever either. But as fans, maybe you just get complacent with just being around in the mix each year. And you know what I'm saying? If, and if that's the goal, okay. But again, this there's still time. You know, you, you hear a lot of Marty Schoenheimer comparisons there's still got a Sean McDermott's got a lot of playoff losing to go before he reaches that level hopefully we don't see it but I go back to last year dude and all the shit that happened to this team and all the injuries and all the craziness and the weather and DeMar all this stuff to go 13 and three which they've won 13 games two of the last three years Sean yeah. McDermott's done a hell of a job now it is fair to say though Anthony his probably his two or three worst coach games maybe of his Bills career have come into playoffs so there, there does need to be improvement there. I mean, you agree with that? Like the Kansas oh, City game last year, they just didn't look. I know they were dead tired and drained. They just weren't ready. Maybe McDermott could have done 
a couple things differently. In hindsight, it's easy to be armchair quarterback now, but to get this team a little more mentally strong, ready to play, which they were not last year against the Bengals. Yeah, and and listen, you expect improvement. I mean, that is that is the case with with so many coaches, right? And you think about um, pieces, and and listen, every every coach is a different coach. People will look at things and say, "Well, this is how long it took Andy Reid to win a Super Bowl," or "This was Ma- Marty Schottenheimer." Or this was, it's like Sean McDermott is Sean McDermott. We can make every comparison that we want to, but each season is a different and finite season in my my opinion, right? So with this, it is like, yeah, does there need to be improvement? Absolutely. We talked about it last week with Ken Dorsey. Like to just expect that Ken Dorsey would remain the same this year in year two as an offensive coordinator, right. well, that doesn't necessarily make sense. And is this one of those pieces where now, you know, with him going into year two, can the offense be better? Can they be more efficient, more effective? I, in a way, and I know a lot of people look at this as a negative, I'm excited to see what Sean McDermott's going to do p- calling the plays on defense. I think many folks have this, this thought that he's just going to do this like bend but don't break and this. I, I don't know, man. He's got a little twinkle in his eye. And when you look back at what he used to do with the Eagles and what they used to do in Carolina, um, he would look to get after it. And, I mean, he had the horses and he has the horses right now to be able to do that. Maybe we'll see a, a different aggressiveness coming from his defense. Maybe I'll be wrong, but right now when when I hear him talk, and he's talked about that, I think he was on with, with Pat McAfee. I mean, he seemed genuinely excited, and I hope it doesn't come at the detriment of anything else. I know there's been some other changes with the staff to name uh, an assistant head coach and pieces there, but uh, I don't know. Some people are just immediately going to the negative with him calling the defensive plays and uh and i'm gonna go on the opposite side until he gives me a reason to be negative you know i i kind of owe greg thompson from cover one a little bit of an apology so last friday when the extensions were announced i i don't remember what the tweet was but basically he i felt he was dunking on a very tiny percentage of fans that were saying mcdermott and being that they were mad about it that they don't deserve extensions and McDermott's on the hot seat. And it felt to me like I, I accused Greg basically of dunking on. I remember the number. I said the 2.5% fans that actually met this news with, with strong criticism. However, when I went into the mentions of the Buffalo Bills Twitter handle, when they announced this extension, I was wrong. There were a lot more than 2.5%. It was probably one out of maybe every three, maybe every four. But there was a lot more criticism than I thought. So I was wrong when I when I accused Greg of dunking on a tiny percentage of fans because it was definitely more than a tiny percentage, which does surprise me. Look, they there was no hot seat, period. All right. You know, I, I said this yesterday, too. If I had a vote for uh, NFL coach of the year and you have to submit that vote the day after the regular season ends, Sean McDermott would have been. He would have had serious consideration for yeah. coach of the year, winning 13 games with all the, again, with all the shit that this team went through last year. I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little bit taken back that because I'm fine with the extension because to your point, if it don't work out, you fire them, you know, you got to eat the money. Um, 
Was it necessary? Maybe not. I mean, because I still think they were signed, what, to another two, at least another two years before the extension. But Tommy was definitely, definitely curious. And that's something that I, I saw some people hit it on. Well, you know, with the new stadium being built, McDermott being there, also the stuff with Diggs that, you know, some people might say this is a stand that Sean's our guy and we're going to extend him right now as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit taken back like you were as well, that there was as much criticism as there was. Well, in the comments that Ian Rappaport made on NFL Network too, he, he and I, I'm going to butcher the the exact way that he said it, but he alluded to the fact that that they both got a pay raise, right? Like now they're mm-hmm. being like paid at the NFL standard or something like that. And so, okay, you know, a lot of times when someone gets a bump, they get a contract extension. I don't know. For for me, I'll be honest, I was really surprised by the number of fans on social media that just had the negative response, as you said, and you just, you see it, even some of the callers on WGR, like, well, why didn't they wait till the end of the season to make sure it's just like, listen, he's got the, you've got the last six seasons that you can look at and say, he has completely turned this around. So to me, it wasn't, I, I guess I was just surprised. I don't know if some people just look for the negative in things, whether it be, you know, you can be any post from the bills right they could sign mm-hmm. a fifth string offensive lineman and people will just chime in and it's like well how come you're not signing deandre hopkins or something crazy and you're just like come on man like are you just looking for this each day i, I don't get it so it is what it is <laughs> by the way sean mcdermott 62 and 35 regular season record as bill's head coach 639 win percentage best in team history ever to this point and they have won four playoff games too you know we want we ultimately we want and we need more success in the postseason that's uh you know kind of the hang up but overall i i just think it's a no-brainer it's a good deal it's good to lock two guys up that again for one last time i'll say it like you said they could get out of it if, if they had to i don't think they're going to but if things went really south and they had to get out of it it's not like you know they can't like right now they cannot trade Stefan Diggs. They're, right. They'll eat $45 million in dead cap money, and it's going to crush them. That's not the case when it comes to coaches and GMs. If it don't work out, you just eat the money and uh, you move on. Anyway, I want to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to turn the key a little bit and actually talk about some fun uh, storylines that we think are brewing here coming up at Bill's training camp next month. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Brumleys. Let's just dive in, man. Bill's training camp's coming next week. We've spent a lot of time, you know, kind of lamenting the stuff going on with Diggs. Is Ken Dorsey, you know, going to be any good in year two? Is Sean McDermott ever the coach to give you over to hump? Blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about some actual fun stuff coming up here at training camp. What are a couple things? Uh, I'll start with you, man. A couple things that when camp gets going that you're really looking forward to tracking when it comes to this team. All right. Well, the first one is very fluffy. And I'll just say this because, um, you know, you think to training camp. I mean, two guys, they're not with the franchise anymore. But the Bills social media team has always done a great job of kind of highlighting these different scenarios. So, right. And I'm talking about Isaiah McKenzie in the past. Last season, it was Case Keenum, you know, doing these great videos, like going through either the Bills team store mm-hmm. or St. John Fisher looking to get autographs. And and I always look forward to camp because you get some of those pieces where, you know, it's, we're not talking Josh Allen or Von Miller or Stefan Diggs, but some of those guys that are, you know, more your second tier backup type of players that that you get to, to see in a little bit of a different light. You get to see him engaging with the fans. Uh, and to me, that stuff is always fun. Right. It's the it's the mm-hmm. silly stuff that you don't get a, a ton of. But I do think the Bill's social media team does a great job. Um, and good gosh, I mean, last year, Case Keenum, he was hysterical in those videos. I thought he did such a great job with it. So when you get to training camp and it's just like, you know, you're you're talking about 53 man roster projections and all this and people are getting in disagreements on who the third string running back will be. It's just like, it adds a little levity to things. It's a game. It's fun. Uh, You see those kids out there looking to get autographs and just the the pure joy on their faces. And some of those videos, Um, you know, to me, it's a little bit, things get grounded when you see some of that. Do you, uh, do you get a chance to go to training camp? I do not. And I know it's, uh, you know, a little controversy. I know we're trying to stay positive here with, folks getting tickets and how that all went. But, uh, but I have not been in a, a super long time. Um, I agree with you, by the way, with the social media team, it, it does make camp more fun. One thing I'm looking forward to, this is kind of a low key one that maybe some people aren't talking about when it comes to this roster and potential position battles, whether it's to make the 53 or maybe, you know, standing amongst the depth chart is that running back. I think. Damian Harris, it's assumed that it's a lock that Damian Harris is going to be the guy, you know, who who spells James Cook. It's going to be Cook and it's Harris. I think there's a large assumption on that. I'm not ready to concede that at all because I think Latavius Murray, he's 33 years old, but this guy played really well with Denver last year and the Saints. He's been consistent for his career. I think he's a tough physical runner and um, he's been, for the most part, injury free. I think Damian Harris versus Latavius Murray for that. I don't know. It's tough <laughs> because are they going to be technically in the running back? Are they going to play a lot of first down snaps? You know, assuming the Bills are in the lead in the second half, they're probably going to see the field 
a lot. So who know, we don't know how much James Cook will see the field right now at this point. So I don't know if you call running back two, running back three. I don't know what to call it. But I, I think among those two, one of those guys are going to be the guy that get a lot of run aside, you know, alongside James Cook. The other guy might end up inactive on game day. The other guy might end up cut and maybe brought back on the practice squad. I don't know. But I think Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, two guys who are both more physical runners than Cook or Hines on this roster right now. I think that's going to shape up to be a fun battle that maybe some people don't see coming right now, coming over the well, summer. It's interesting that you mentioned running back because honestly, the first thing I had on my list, I went with more of the, the fluffy topic first, um, <laughs> was James Cook though. Yeah. Right. And it kind of ties in there because I think in this way, it's like, okay, for for this training camp, for the preseason heading into this year, my hope is that they take off the training wheels, right? And I say sure. that and that, you know, we have heard Brandon Bean talk in the past about uh, Alvin Kamara. We've, you know, seen the trade rumors around Christian McCaffrey last season. Um, the, the Bills, right, being linked in the draft to running backs like Travis Etienne before Jacksonville took him. Like, I, you know, talk about Marcel. We would go back and forth and just – Man, what if he is there when the Bills? <laughs> your Twitter, your, by the way, I'm, I'm laughing. Not, I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, I'm it's laughing all right. because your Twitter over the last couple of years when it comes to the draft and and Brees Hall and Travis Etienne and uh, you, whether you were being serious or whether you were busting balls with, with Marcel or with uh, Bruce Nolan or with uh, with Joe Marino uh, about taking a running back in the first round. Those were one of my funniest thing, or funnest things to follow on Twitter, man. Listen, I have a role to play in this game that we call Buffalo Bills draft Twitter. But it, all kidding aside, though, right? So, But now you have this player in Cook, and you saw flashes last season. And listen, there's no more Zach Moss. There's no more Devin Singletary. Yeah, you can talk about Harris and Murray and Naheem Hines and other guys. Listen, there is no one that has a higher upside than James Cook. Right. So if you're looking for someone that can be explosive with the ball in their hands, that can catch passes out of the backfield, right? Because I can hear everyone already like, you don't want to run the ball more. You have Josh. I, I get all of that, right? But I mean, and I don't want to sound like that nostalgic Bills fan, like, oh, I remember back in the 90s. But I remember back in the 90s where it would just be like, here's a little dump off to Thurman Thomas, and he's going to go make 12 yards out of this. And James Cook has that same, I don't want to say the same ability, right? But to be that pass-catching weapon that the Bills really have not had. And they've been searching for Devin Singletary was not that guy. Zach Moss was certainly not that guy. Before then, Frank Gore was not that guy, right? You can look to it and say he can be, I'm not going to say as good as Alvin Kamara. I mean, we're talking about a perennial pro bowler, but I'm just saying to to be that weapon for this offense, I'm really excited to see what he can do. So a future spoiler alert, when we have an episode and we talk about potential Buffalo Bills breakout players for 2023, I got a feeling you're going to have James Cook pretty high up um, on your list. I agree with you. And going back even the last year, it felt certainly to me like he had more juice in his legs. When he touched the football, there just felt like there was more juice in him. Then there was Devin Singletary, and I'm not trying to kick Devin on the way out the door. He mm. did some good things. He was a steady player, nothing spectacular. He was all right. He was steady. But James Cook, it just seems like the the um, the um potential for, for a big play 
was there more often when he would touch the football. Plus, I thought, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, this is a guy, and he maybe he never will be a true number one running back. We know that he could catch the ball out of the backfield. We know he can make people miss. We know he can get to the outside. I thought he did a, a better job than I anticipated of him running in between the tackle, too. I thought he made people miss physically. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I do think James Cook should be. There's no reason why he shouldn't be the guy this year in Buffalo. So you bring up a great point. I just, I think there's going to be a fun competition maybe behind him. I do think that, you know, you, you want to trust a guy like Harris or, or Murray to protect the lead. Maybe you got a two score lead in the fourth quarter sure. and you want to move the chains a little bit. I think that's where the role of a Murray or an Harris will come in more. But yeah, to your point, dude, I'm, I'm very in on James Cook this year. I, I think he's got a lot of potential. Yeah. It's going to be something fun to watch. And again, to have, that kind of explosive athlete at the running back position. It's something that we really have not seen in the the Josh Allen era, right? Even his first season, 2018, you know, LaShawn McCoy was almost done, right? At that point, that was his mm -hmm. last season with the Bills. So now you've got this level of quickness. It's going to be exciting. But again, I hope they take the training wheels off and just sort of establish him as, hey, listen, if you're the, the 1A, the 1B, whatever you, you want to call it. I think in many ways you don't have that workhorse back anymore in sure. the NFL. It's kind of a two-back system. And to your point, whoever wins that comp competition for RB2, that'll be fun to watch as well. Um, yeah, and you, you said training wheels, so kind of a good transition to another point I had. I'm looking forward, you know, not to pick the low-hanging fruit here because it's an easy one to say, but I'm looking forward to Delta, watching Delta Kincaid at camp and seeing how he looks, seeing how uh, the Bills use him. I mean, the, the, the assumption is he's going to be playing a lot of that big slot. Certainly, we hope that's the case because if he's playing in line as much, this might take some snaps away from Dawson Knox. I'm not sure that's what we're looking for. But, yeah, man, I, I think it's going to be fun to track how he looks in training camp, um, what kind of role we might project him to have as a rookie and how they're using him in the offense personnel wise. It's funny that you mentioned him. He was on my list also. And even going back to mini camp, right? I mean, two days and what's, you know, one of the main storylines about actual football. Well, the rapport that Josh Allen and Dalton Kincaid seem to have on the field already. Mm -hmm. We were talking about mandatory mini camp in June, but it's something that you can get excited about because you know, let's be honest, sometimes it is as simple as the rapport that the quarterback has with the receiver, the tight end, and how that looks. I also see, you know, Dawson Knox playing a huge role in this. He's talked about Kincaid and how he fits in in the room and sort of mentoring him a bit as well. You know how close Dawson Knox and Josh Allen are. So, you know, you see with those things, it's almost like a you know, an additional coach there as part of the room and being that veteran leader to help with it. Dalton Kincaid, all eyes will will be on on him. But I think, again, in that way of just a lot of optimism and seeing how he's used with the offense. I really like him as a player. Um, I, I like the potential that he has. Going back, because I didn't talk to you around draft time, at least not on the podcast anyway. Um, your level of surprise when they actually took a tight end. I would because I remember losing my mind a little bit because I very much was team get a wide receiver in Flowers and Johnston and um 
was the kid, the kid from Ohio State. They all went like, I think they took like four receivers in a row or something like yeah. that in those early 20s. So they kind of eliminated the Bills from taking a wide receiver. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to end up taking a defensive tackle, which quite frankly would have pissed me off, especially now because they got Puna Ford after the draft anyway. But then they take a tight end. I'm like, what? But I remember reading a lot about him and doing a series with Aaron. We did like six straight mock drafts. We neither of us even considered really drafting him because I didn't think tight end was a realistic possibility. But learning more about him, I guess he's a tight end by title. But it was just surprising, man. And a lot of scenarios when you talk about mock drafts, he was not he was not falling that far, so he wasn't even really seen True. as an option Nothing. for the Bills. Um, I have to admit, though, I am like I am always a fan of the the tight end position right mm -hmm. in fantasy football it's a guarantee the guys in my league they always joke like i'm gonna you know take tony gonzalez two rounds too early and antonio gates two rounds too early and now i take travis kelsey or mark andrews too early like every year i need one of those marquee tight ends <laughs> on my fantasy team and i'll do whatever i have to to get it so when you look at Dalton Kincaid and you talk about him, and I know as people you know talk about Travis Kelsey, it's like, listen, can we stop comparing rookies to like the greatest of all time? You know, whether it's Ed Oliver comparing him to Aaron Donald or now Dalton sure. Kincaid to Travis Kelsey, but I get what they're saying about the usage. Um, it did not come as too much of a surprise, and I say this because um, Sal Capaccio for the weeks leading up to the draft had talked about Kincaid on a number of different occasions and saying, keep an eye on this, like, you know, kind of, the, you know, don't sleep on this. And whether Sal knew something or not, or just sort of heard some rumblings around the building as far as, you know, hey, here's somebody that that the team really likes or, you know, had some sort of a private workout with, um, he had really sort of set the stage with that, that it could be a possibility. So it wasn't completely out of left field when it happened because, you know, whenever sales on, I'm I'm listening because he gives great info and great tidbits. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that time, he is was really the one that was talking about Kincaid for the Bills. Um, yes. By the way, I I can't resist a plug when you when you tee it up for me like that. Sales going to be on. I'm going to now let you bring this up. I'm going to ask him about that um, Thursday night when I do the show with him and Matt Bovey live from Imperial Pizza. If he had any kind of insight on uh on Dalton Kincaid coming. Now I said, now I'm cheating a little bit because I said fun storylines and admittedly this is not fun and I don't want to rehash stuff and I don't want to deep dive into it. But I, I do have to say one storyline that I hope happens is day one of minicamp when there's media availability, I really would like Stefan Diggs to get in front of the cameras one time, day one, say your piece and be done. Like speak once, and then just be yourself the rest of camp. Because another fun thing about training camp, following it, going to a couple practices, seeing a lot on social media, Stefan Diggs is a lot of fun at training camp. At least he has been yeah. in previous years. He does a lot of silly shit with fans. Um, he has fun with his teammates. He's very accessible to fans. Signs a lot of autographs. So he's been a fun part of training camp for the last couple of years. I hope that continues. That's the fun part. The not fun part, but I think the kind of almost... I want to say necessary. Maybe that's not the best word, but just get in front of the media one time, say your piece, be done. And then we can start to focus on a lot of these storylines and things that we're talking about today instead of the narrative time and time again is Diggs going to blow up and blah, blah, blah. And what's this problem? Yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope that happens, dude. Yeah. And I do know what you're saying. I think it's a scenario where, and we talked about this before, but 
once you get to training camp, there will also be so much more to talk about. So if it's not day one, if it's a couple days mm-hmm. in or whatever it may be, um, you know, as, as long as he's there and you look out and he's the the playful Stefan Diggs that you're used to seeing, kind of like what we saw with the one day he was there at mandatory minicamp. Um, but I do, I do understand that piece, right? Because it could just, in a way, it could just put it to bed, right? And it can move on from it not where it's oh it, you know week four and digs you know looks frustrated on the bench and that becomes a storyline or this and that like just so you can move on from it and it doesn't have to uh continue to be a story i got one last one and you kind of hit on this during the the first half of this show one thing that i'm looking forward to now i also understand let me preface this by saying Teams don't show a lot at training camp. So it's not like you're going to see any kind of elaborate looking defensive schemes. But I am looking forward to seeing Sean McDermott now that he's calling the plays. Or now we know he's calling the plays. Controversy yeah. was calling the plays before. Now we know he's calling the plays. You got you got Jordan Boyer back healthy to start camp. You got Micah Hyde back. Um, I've heard, I've talked to a couple players where they said the, the play calls last year were a little bit more conservative in part because of the safety position and not having those guys or Poyer they had, but he was far from, you know, the Jordan Poyer, the all pro Jordan Poyer that we've seen over the last few years because of his health. But anyway, having those guys back, having Puna Ford, having Leonard Floyd on the defensive line, um, Tremaine's gone. I expect to see a more aggressive type of Bills defense. I, I think this team on defense is just loaded. I really do. I think they're loaded with talent. You got Trey, and we're assuming health, of course. But you got your all-pro safeties together. You got Trey White, who should be 100%. You got a fun training camp battle at CB2, potentially. Milano, of course. I like the defensive line better with the additions that they had. Vaughn will be back sooner than later. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing at least glimpses at training camp of Sean McDermott maybe being more aggressive on how he deploys his, his defense. Yeah, it is. As you said, you know, the, the defense is loaded. And it's uh, it's okay it to is, say that and to, and to think that. And you, you talk about Micah Hyde coming back. You talk about Jordan Poyer being healthy. Uh, yeah, you can have a comp, you know, competition at cornerback too, and at, at linebacker, and see who steps up there. But there's, you know, there's some options there. On a, a low key sense, what they did along the defensive line. You talk about the additions of Floyd, of Ford. You know, those two guys coming in. All right, those are two guys that can make a difference for this team. Sure. Yeah. I did have one more thing on my list. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit um, under the radar, and some people might shake their head, but um, to see Gabriel Davis at training camp. Sure. And I say this because last year for Gabe Davis, th- there's no way that any player could have lived up to the expectations, right? The last time that fans had seen him play across the NFL was the game against the Chiefs where he has 198 (laughs) receiving yards, four touchdowns. He's literally unstoppable Mm -hmm. in that game. And all of a sudden, he is the darling of the fantasy football community. Every podcast you listen to, every show, you know, Gabe, you know, if everyone's calling Gabe Davis a sleeper, guess what? He's not a sleeper, right? Right. And there was a level of expectation that came out for him last season, which could never have been lived up to based on that last impression that he left. Dealing with some ankle injuries, some different pieces. Um, here's a guy that's one of the hardest workers on the team, right? Got the Iron Bill Award for putting in the most time in the weight room this offseason. Um, a contract year for him. 
and no one is talking about him from a level of potential. And Bruce Nolan and I were texting back and forth the other day. And it's like, he did a great podcast and talking about Gabriel Davis. He's so much more eloquent than I can ever be on any topic in the world. And, and Bruce just broke it down. And it, you know, I just look at it and what I said to him was, if people could just embrace Gabriel Davis for what he does great, instead of focusing on what he doesn't do well, you'd realize that the great is pretty great. And just if you could accept that and embrace that and play to that, as I told you before, right, I'm a basketball guy, coaching basketball for, for years, that's, that's always the piece that I know and expect. So it's just like, listen, I'm not asking Steph Curry to be a guy that's uh, finishing down in the post. That's not something that I'm looking to do, nor am I taking, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and asking him to shoot three pointers either. It's like you play to the strengths of the players that you have around you. And I think as fans, sometimes we can get so focused on guys that we look at each and every day. But I made Mm -hmm. the comparison to Bruce, Bruce to somebody like DK Metcalf, right? Who is just like, okay. He can't do everything well, but the things he does well, he's great. Yep. At. Sure. So it's like embrace what he's great at. You've got guys like Tyler Lockett and others, Marquise Goodwin, when he was there, their running game that can do the other things. Just embrace Gabriel Davis for as great as he is. And honestly, when you talk about it, this training camp, I would love to see him get a contract extension, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of four years, $50 million, because honestly, I think he's earned it. I think he deserves it. And this is a guy that wants to be a Buffalo Bill and should be a Buffalo Bill. I'll tell you this. I I love that point. And look, the Bills like Gabe Davis a lot because you know what? You know how you know that? If they didn't, I promise you, Brandon Bean would have moved heaven and earth to go get DeAndre Hopkins, who's still out there right now. If they didn't have faith in Gabe Davis, they'd find a way to go get DeAndre Hopkins. They would do whatever they had to do, move money around, kick the can pay for it later, they'd go get DeAndre Hopkins. Or they would have gotten, at some point, they would have been more aggressive in trying to get Beckham. Or they would have been more aggressive in trying to sign a free agent receiver. They literally didn't. They had a good depth with DeAndre Hardy and and Sherfield, but they did not go after a wide receiver too because they feel very much that they have a good one right now. So I I love that point. that, that that's a really good point, man. And he, he will be fun to watch and it is a contract year. So if there's a time for a guy to show out, it, it's going to be this year for sure for him. So Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. All right. We're going to wrap up with our, um, finish the sentence segment. This is something that I did with Aaron most weeks as well. I want to continue this. This is fun. It's kind of just a, a chance for fans. And we always talk for a few minutes at the beginning of the show. And then we kind of wrap up the show the same way. Just a chance for fans uh, to get to know a little bit more about some of the things you like or that you don't like away from just talking Buffalo Bills and uh, sports. I call it finish the sentence. I'll just throw a graphic up there. I'll read it. And you're just filling in the blank uh, at the very end. All right, here's the first one. A post-dinner dessert you'll never say no to is blank. I think a better question would have been a post-dinner dessert that I would say no to because traditionally <laughs> I am I've got a sweet tooth. Me it is too. not something that I uh that I skip on. But for for the sake of the conversation, I will never say no to a, a good Italian cannoli. Um, <laughs> for me, that is a, a hundred times out of a hundred. If it's on the the menu or if you're at a bakery and it is there, 
uh, that is a go-to for me. So a, a person after uh, my wife's heart right there with that one. I'll tell you, anytime we go to any fair festival or anything where there's a cannoli available, that's where she'll make a beeline to every time. They're not always available, but whenever I can get my hands on a brownie, I, I just, I love brownies and it does not matter, dude, how much I eat. I could have a tiny piece of steak. I could have a steak so big that I literally can't breathe after I'm done eating it. And I also have that sweet tooth that I need to have something uh, right after that as well. So I'll go with, it's a boring answer, but you know, an honest one. So I'm, I'm going to go brownie. All right. A non-house or car purchase, and I spell purchase wrong there, you'd make if winning the lottery is blank. All right. I was thinking about this one before, and I don't know if you'll tell me this is this is cheating because it's a I'll call it a home improvement. But, you know, you talked before about movies and not being a guy that goes to the movies a lot. Um, for me, going to the movies was always one of my favorite things. Sure. Right. Whether it was uh, as a kid growing up with my family um, experiences with, um, you know, my friends after graduation, that would always be something you know, we would do maybe on a Friday night before we went out, like, you know, a new release comes out or to even with my kids. And, you know, you think of the latest releases. I mean, we used to be that family, like, Hey, new Marvel movie comes out Friday night. We're there type mm -hmm. of type of uh, family. So for me, if there was something that I won the lottery, I would build a movie theater in my house, whether it's, you know, in the basement, kind of that, you know, private theater. If your friends are coming over, Hey, you want to, you know, put on Top Gun Maverick or whatever it is that you want to watch, kind of the newest release, um, but also to have that area where you know, have those big, comfortable, you know, leather recliners that you you see in kind of these really expensive home theaters that that some folks have. And, you know, hey, for Sunday football or Monday night football or Thursday or whatever it is, you know, to have that spot to be that place, that would be the thing on uh, on my list. I'll allow it. That's fair. That's okay. fun. I would now let me preface this too. Like I have a you know a nice little podcast studio here in my home and I like it. It's it, it's pretty cool. But if I had the opportunity, if I won the lottery, I would build the dopest podcast vidcast studio ever known. Like I would have HD cameras like you see on ESPN Sports Center, multiple cameras all over the place. It would feel like you were watching SportsCenter anytime you would tune in uh, to this podcast. And I would have a producer too. God, I don't even need to win a lottery. I just need to get a couple bucks so I could get a producer, even an intern. If anyone out there, you're 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 in college, you want you want an intern because that's the one thing I love doing the show. And I love doing homework to get, to put some thoughts together, some notes together. Obviously, I love recording with you and any guests that I have. I hate the post production stuff. I hate having to edit and put show notes together. I hate like when I do these shows weekly and Imperial, as much as I love them, I love the the one-on-one or one on, you know, two people guest vibe of sitting next to somebody in person. I hate the process of breaking down my camera here and my mixer and all this other shit that I got to take with me. I got to break it down here and then I got to take it to the restaurant and I got to set it up. Then I got to break it back down. Then I got to take it back home and I got to set it back up. All that shit's a pain in the ass. So if I won the lottery, I would have the best podcast studio ever, and I would absolutely have at least one producer, uh, <laughs> if not two. Um, all right, two more here. A TV show I consider significantly overrated is blank. Tough? No, it's not tough. I'm trying not to offend you. You're not going to offend me. 
the office. Really? Explain why. I'm offended. Well, let me, let me say this. There's there's three, <laughs> and that was the first one that came to mind. I've been asked this question at like a a work uh, icebreaker type of thing before. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, when the show was out in its prime, I love the show, right? Mm-hmm. Every week uh, we would watch it. We laugh, the, the characters, everything. But really three shows that fall into this bucket for me, The Office, Friends, and Seinfeld, that while they were great at the time that they were out, they I don't know it. that they've held up through the oh. test of time. And it's always been a little bit, again, three great shows. Like there's nothing taking away from it, but how they have been this cultural phenomenon for decades after they went off the air. To me, that was always a piece that I just felt like, you know, so when you say overrated, right? I mean, it's kind of like you're talking about overrated of being, you know, a great show to being considered the greatest show of all time. Sure. So it's not, it's not even coming with a hot take, but like, good gosh, I've been asked the question before and that was my answer. So I'd feel like I'd feel disingenuous if I did not say that, even though I know you've rewatched the office numerous times from yeah. start to finish. So I, so I have probably my last time on talking Buffalo. I'm Anthony Marino. <laughs> I, I, I think Ryan Talbot from New York up and I probably have rewatched that show more times than, uh, than we could count. Obviously I disagree with you. I will say, I do think it overstayed its welcome. I, I think it ran for too long. It could have ended a couple seasons earlier. And also that show, like a lot of shows during that time. And before that would never make air today. It'd be too offensive. It would get canceled straight up. That's just the way it is. I like the originality of it where where I would disagree with say maybe it doesn't stand stand the test of time is because, well, I mean, it's not even the the original office from the UK. So they they basically stole it from that. But that aside, the the mockumentary type of show was so original at the time that that's why I think it was set up, but that's fair. Hey, man, you ain't got to agree with everything that I like. All right, last one here. Hold um, on. What's your, what was your overrated show, though? Oh, shit, I forgot. Friends. I hate Friends. I, I just yeah. never thought it was that good. And we don't have time to deep dive into it today, but Succession, too. And maybe another time we'll talk about that. That's the newest, greatest show of all time, the best written show of all time. I hear it time and time again. I thought the show was mid. Uh, it was great dialogue, great writing, but it was pretty boring, so... I don't think Succession was nowhere near uh, as good. All right, last question here. An album everyone should listen to at least once in their lifetime is blank. And there's so many, but. Oh, my God. And, and I struggle with this because it's like, you know, growing up, my my musical taste was was different, right? I was maybe a little ahead of my time when it came to, to hip hop and R&B music and just my mm-hmm. enjoyment of that. Um, you know, the first thing that popped to mind were, again, if you say everyone should listen to, it's like, you know, it's not like I'm going to have my parents sit down and put on low end theory by tribe called quest, but that was the first one right in the mind for me, because I think when you talk about the transition of hip hop music, that's a, an album I've been listening sure. to for over 30 years and not just one of those because, oh, it takes me back to a time when I was you know, in high school or anything along those lines. But when you think about music in the hip hop genre that truly holds up for over three decades, um, to me, that was the first one that that came to mind. I mean, I went back and forth with that. Um, What's the 411 by Mary J. Blige or, you know, even Whitney Houston's debut album, right? If I'm being more 
when I say politically correct, if you're like, everyone should listen to of just like, what is the greatness that was sure. Houston and for, you know, younger generations to appreciate just, you know, no disrespect to the, the singers of today, but Whitney Houston is on a pedestal all to herself. So I think I kind of cheated there because I just mentioned three different things. Oh, instead of one, but that was that w those were the three that that came to, to mind for me. Um, alongside what you just said about Whitney, I would say the same thing with two albums from the 80s. Michael Jackson Thriller, uh, to me, it's the greatest pop album of all time. And then like it was only like a year or so later. But Prince's Purple Rain to me is an yeah. all time classic as well from, you know, from the first track to the last one, there's pretty much no real skippable songs on there. And then if you want to go real back in the music history, even if you don't like them, you, you got to respect the Beatles. So sure. there's a couple albums you could choose, but I, I, I would choose uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. I'm not going to run through all the titles. Just trust me. There's five or six tracks that are, you know, American rock standards on there. So Purple Rain, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. And, and, and of course, uh, Thriller. So we're kind of along those same lines for the most part. I love the Tribe Called Quest one, though, because it's such an influential um, album. And again, it's almost flawless, too. I'm a big hip hop guy as well. Or at least I was. I'm not, I hate today's hip hop music, but 80s, 90s, early 2000s, th that was my shit. Man. I'll say one thing that I love, though, right? My, my kids being teenagers, um, my 16 year old son, his friends, they listen to a lot of 90s hip hop. There is just a sense sure. of, uh, of respect that that comes with that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'll look at his playlist and it's like, all right, you know, I might not be doing everything right, but this part, I, I think I uh, I did okay. Yeah, I got a 20-year-old son and probably some of my proudest moments are when he, like, enjoys, listens to the 80s or 90s, whether it's hip-hop or he's just pop music, rock music, anything. Whenever he goes back in time and they appreciate music that we're more accustomed to, that's, uh, that's always cool. Anyway, all right. That's going to do it for uh, today's episode. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter at AnthMarino. Check out Buffalo Rumblings, of course, quite literally. Whether it's a vidcast, a podcast, seven days a week, you're going to get some great content from them. Tomorrow night on the show, well, this drops Wednesday, right? So I can say tomorrow night now. Yeah, tomorrow night on the show, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, both of them scheduled to be with me live and Imperial. Follow me on Twitter at Pamaran Tweets for any updates uh, regarding that. Thanks, Ant. We're kind of settling in a nice little groove here a week, too. No, it's great. I always uh, I always enjoy it. Had a good time, and be back with you next week. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.